Hello, Habit Mechanics. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dr. John Finn. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. This week, we're going to take a deep dive into willpower and resilience and explore some of the insights that I share in Chapter 13 of The Habit Mechanic. As always, I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Andrew Whitelam. Andrew, how are you? Yes. Hi, John. I'm very well. Thank you. Hope you're you're good too. Yeah. Chapter 13, using willpower to self-watch, hack and develop resilience um, of the Habit Mechanic book. That's our subject today. Just a reminder, this podcast is live and we're taking your questions later in the podcast. So please use the chat function in the Habit Mechanic University app to submit any questions you might have and John will answer them. Um, yeah, and we're, we're progressing through the Habit Mechanic book now, uh, John taking our deep dives into each chapter with you, which is really instructive and really beneficial and, and really enjoyable too. Um, and let's get into it. I mean, um, at this stage now through the book, you've um, provided so much fascinating insight about how our brain works and the implications of that. Um and we need to keep that in mind for this chapter, I think. Um, you start off by talking about willpower. We, you've previously talked to us about the hack brain, the helpful attentional control brain. Um, and in this chapter, you, you point out that the hack brain is operated. It's helpful, if you like, to think about our hack brain being operated by our willpower. Talk, talk to us about that, please. Yeah, so all the time we're trying to make very complex things simple because on the journey of working with over 10,000 people over the past 20 plus years, the neuroscientific terms and insights can easily go and understandably go over people's heads because that neuroscience language is described, is, is designed for scientists so that they can explore scientifically different specific areas of, in this case, brains. And that language isn't always understandable. So we've always done our best to try to simplify that language, but always staying as, as true as we can to the science. And we created this story about there's a lighthouse in your brain, there are two characters living there. Uh, will, willpower is one of the characters. And... Yeah, willpower really is living in the prefrontal cortex. Um, that's the part of our brain which we might think about as the brakes, where we can resist hue and the eight brain's temptation to pay attention to and do unhelpful things. And when people talk about willpower, that's what they're referring to. They're referring to that brake, which is the prefrontal cortex, and there are some specific sites within there and we found it helpful to refer to that area of the brain as the helpful attention control brain, and that shortens down to hack. So this idea that we can hack into our automatic, often, well, sometimes unhelpful thinking and doing, and we can resist doing, uh, saying that thing to ourselves or doing that unhelpful behavior like eating a donut or staying up too late or, or whatever it is. So yeah, so hack helpful attention control is also describing, you know, where willpower lives. And we can imagine as willpower operating that's that that area of the brain. Yeah, fantastic. I I'm gonna ask you 
to explain more about how we can use willpower and, and how this can help us to understand how our resilience works. But if we could just start off by asking you to explain what is resilience, how, how do you define it in the Habit Mechanic book? How do you explain it? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because people use that word a lot, but often they can be they can mean very different things. I do remember, so I worked, I used to work a lot in professional football. And I remember right at the start of that journey, the word resilience was being um, used a lot in press conferences and by the media in relation to football. And um, I remember some manager defining it as its bounce back ability. And uh, I think eventually that made it into the Oxford uh, Dictionary as, a, as, a, as an example. But I think if 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 I want to help people to be more resilient, if habit mechanic uh, coaches want to help people to be more resilient, if we want to help ourselves to be more resilient, we have to have a more explicit understanding of, well, what does it actually mean? And the way I understand it, it's a two-part process. The first part is recognising so via doing intelligent self-watching that you are thinking or doing something that isn't helpful for you. So you might recognize that you're beating yourself up too much. You might recognize that you're not looking after yourself very well in terms of your sleep, your diet, your exercise. You might recognize that you're procrastinating quite a lot during the day. And we've created loads of intelligent self-watching tools, including our habit metric tools that people can use to do that. The second part of being resilient then is doing something proactive about the challenges that you've noticed. So if you notice that you're beating yourself up too often, the second part of being resilient is doing something about that. So it's, it's working to build better thinking habits, which might uh, start by learning more about the stress process and then habitualizing some of the different habit mechanic tools you can use to, to um, manage those unhelpful stress responses. Like uh, you might end up at the end of the day, writing a three to one reflection. So it's a simple two part process is the way I see resilience. One is it's recognizing that you're doing some unhelpful things and then it's doing something about that. And of course the first step to do, well, the first part of both those processes is switching on that prefrontal cortex to recognize and to stop and to take yourself out of the automaticity, which you're using your hack brain to do and willpower to do. And it's the same then when you want to start building a new helpful habit, you're going to use your prefrontal cortex again or your hack brain and your willpower. Yeah, that's great, John. I think I think you've already helped us to to understand how we can use willpower and 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 hence understand how resilience actually operates um i think it's beneficial to point out people using the habit mechanic university app and people going to the tougher minds website they'll have seen perhaps some tools and, and short short exercises uh the daily tea plan for instance these are actually uh practical ways that that you know you've developed to to get this two-step process working for people is that right yes so at the heart of everything we're doing is we want to help people to become more resilient. And I'm sure in this podcast, we're going to explore there's actually some different ways people, different groups of scientists explain resilience. Or maybe I just say that now. So 
we had we had the term emotional regulation from neuroscientists there that's really about being resilient we had the term emotional self-control from social scientists that's also about being resilient so the, the challenge with most of the the self-help that we're using most of the coaching we're getting most of the training that we're getting to help us to be at our best is that it just get it gets stuck on knowing we just get more information about what it would be a good idea to do differently. So we might have a resilience training program that explains to us what resilience is and some things that you might do to help you to be more resilient. Our training is different because we actually, we don't just teach you how to use the tools. We we've created the app so that you can use them and habitualize using them every single day. So something like the T plan sounds very simple but it's very complex in terms of how it's helping you to become more resilient. And it's allowing you to, in just three simple steps, to go through the resilient cycle of intelligent self-watching and then doing something about it. But doing something about it in a using very sophisticated insights from behavioral science, even though you don't need to know what those sophisticated insights are because you will activate those insights just by working through the, the simple tea plan process. You know, so every day when people are posting their tea plans in the app, in the at, at my best community, they are being resilient. That's what they're doing. Neuroscientists would say they're regulating their emotions. Social scientists would say that they're deploying emotional self-control. But I think the best, simplest way to think about it is about being resilient. Yeah, and I think that really brings it home to me how, um, as you as you write in chapter thirteen, emotions are central to this, um, and and what I think you're saying is that effectively we can improve the way we think by practice. We can improve our mindset, if you like, by practicing um, to be more resilient. I mean, some people would say that they're born resilient. Uh, you would say, I'm sure, that we can develop it. Yeah, I think saying you're born resilient is fine, but it's an oversimplification of things. Um, resilience is very contextual. You might be really resilient physically, so you play rugby or a tough sport and you don't mind if someone hits you very hard in the tackle, but you might be very fragile in relationships. You know, So you're very resilient in one element of your life, but very fragile in another area. And yeah, we, we can see neurobiologically, which I think we're going to get into in the next, um, when, we, when we talk about chapter 14 of the book, that the sites in our brain that we use to be resilient, they're like plasticine, um, they're remoldable, but they're also like muscles in the sense of the more you work them out, the stronger they get. So yeah, it doesn't matter how resilient you are on a scale of one to 10 about any specific area in your life with the right type of practice, you can strengthen those wires in your brain that are connected to being resilient. So completing a daily teeth plan every day is like going to the gym for resilience. Completing a three to one every day is like going to the gym to help you to be more resilient. And actually posting it in the app is a supercharger because you're strengthening the learning that, um, and brain development that you're getting from completing that exercise because you are by posting it into the at your best community you're actually 
strengthening those neurobiological connections further and therefore developing your, your resilience further. If you want to fulfill your potential or help other people fulfill their potential so you can feel great and get the rewards and respect you deserve, then I want to give you a free physical copy of my new best-selling book because you deserve to know the truth. The most important things for fulfilling your potential are not tips, tricks, hacks, therapy, coaching, meditation, breathwork, goal setting, journaling or finding your why. I know it sounds irrational because we're so used to hearing about using these things to help us fulfill our potential. But these approaches are outdated and ineffective and they are based on a big lie. To find out more and get your free physical copy of Dr. John Finn's best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, go to tougherminds.co.uk. Now, I want to talk to you um, in a few moments about um, quite a seminal piece of work that um, a social psychologist uh, undertook and, and is fascinating about the benefits of resilience i'm sure people would be interested to hear more about that but but i think also it's it's important to point out that when we do practice becoming resilient as you've just described and you've just described the process and of course referred to the tools in the habit mechanic university app um it is um a, a transformative potentially a transformative it has a transformative effect on us it can help us with so many things like being happier, uh, being healthier, improving our our dietary intake, that kind of thing. It, it is uh, an overarching force for good, if you like, for us. Yes, if if we if we use the definition that it's about understanding ourselves and the things that we're doing well, but also the things that are getting in the way of us being at our best. So understanding our destructive habits and then being able to build new helpful super habits, then yeah, it can help us with anything. Um, so it's a fundamental foundational process in terms of recognizing the things that are getting in the way of us being at our best, but also helping us to practice new things, both thinking and doing, that make it easier for us to be at our best. So yeah, it's so foundational. Um it's something that we should just get taught, you know, from a very young age, which is what in the in the the, the schools that use the Tougher Minds program, where they're teaching their young people to become habit mechanics, then obviously they are learning to be resilient from a young age. You know, actually, it was really interesting. I can't cite the study. Someone told me about it, but it came out of Oxford University. Um and Oxford University did a big analysis of mindfulness on mindfulness practices for young people. Big sets of data showing that mindfulness practices for young people have nowhere near the reported benefits that people suggest in they're having. They have a tiny benefit because mindfulness, it only does one of the parts of resilience I'm explaining. It does more intelligent self-watching. And it, a lot of it doesn't even, it doesn't go to the the detail that our intelligent self-watching tools go, where it really gets you thinking about these different areas. 
so it makes complete sense. The, the findings that Oxford have found make complete sense to me as to why the benefits of mindfulness for young people have been hugely overinflated. If we want to help young people to, to do better, we've got to teach them how to become habit mechanics. So mindfulness is almost the starting line if it's done well. It's the starting line. The way we're describing resilience and the, the tools we're teaching people to be resilient are going you know, much, much further. They're, they're helping you with the, the, the rest of your life, not just understanding a bit more about yourself. Yeah, I think that's so interesting because um, it's a term we've heard quite a lot about mindfulness and and it's cited by you know very well-meaning individuals i think anyone using it obviously has the, the best of motives for the most part um but but it, i think it's it's such an important distinction to draw it's like i suppose as, as you say it's the starting line people will think well i'll pause in the day and be mindful but um then it's important to do more than that and, and take some action i think it's worth just just really making that clear to people, John, that that this it is potentially as well. Um, it, it might open you up to to potentially a worse experience because because without the proper process, you might then suffer experience more unhelpful emotions. Yes, and that's why we make that distinction between self watching and intelligent self watching, because you can be mindful that or in our language, self-watch, that you're beating yourself up too much. And then you can go down a rabbit hole of, well, actually, yeah, that's because I'm useless and I'm not very good or whatever. Just noticing the things that you're doing, as you're saying, isn't always that helpful. And that's why we've created our intelligent self-watching tools, which are led by our habit metric tools, which are all accessible within the app. We have those at the individual level, we have them at the team level, we have them at the, the leadership level. So you've got a structured way of really intelligently self-watching, which then allows you and guides you to say, well, which is the area that you want to work on? And then we give you the toolkit so you can actually start proactively working on that area. So just being mindful in itself as you're saying, is potentially damaging because you can be practicing unhelpful things. You can end up practicing beating yourself up more often, which strengthens the neurons in your brain while beating yourself up, which means that behavior becomes more automatic. And there's a really good example of this. In our three-to-one reflection tool, um, what when people are learning to use it, so the three-to-one reflection tool essentially is our simple, it's what we call focus reflection tool. It encourages you at the end of the day to write down three helpful or positive things as a minimal that have gone on for you that day. So it might be, I had a really productive day. I love the colleagues I work with. The sun was out. You could go further. And then what it says is do uh, write down one thing that, you can do in the next 24 hours to give yourself a chance, you know, an even better chance of being at your best. What many people write down there is something that went wrong in the, in the past day, not something they can do better in the next 24 hours because that's how our brain is wired, right? When they write that thing down, they just reinforce it. So they say, oh, I had a really rubbish meeting today with a client. 
all you're doing when you write that down is you're reinforcing that rubbish meeting. Instead, you could say, write a wabber. I'm going to write a wabber this evening, which is a written eight brain argument to help me to um, process that stressful experience of that client. So these, you know, it's really easy to think that uh, psychology is really simple. It's about positive thinking and negative thinking. It's really complex. Good news is um, we've done, myself and my team, we've spent a long time unraveling the complexity and unpacking it so that you can just use these simple tools to, in very simple terms, develop more helpful wires in your brain and get rid of more of the negative and destructive one. Okay, thanks, John. Um, we've got about 11 minutes left on this live podcast, so please do get your questions in if you'd like us to answer them. We put an email out yesterday um, asking for questions, and some people have submitted them already, so we'll get to those as well. But please do use the chat function in the Habit Mechanic University app to uh, to pose your questions, and uh, we'll get to those. Um, John, I made reference to this earlier in the podcast. Um, I know um, resilience uh, scientists, uh, brain scientists have been studying it since the 60s um but the in in chapter 13 in the habit mechanic you, you cite a, a fascinating piece of research by somebody called professor roy baumeister um one of the world's most respected social psychologists and, and he did a fascinating piece of work on resilience about its benefits just give us an overview of that if you would yeah well actually i not to contradict you andrew but he spent his his life pretty much looking at this so it isn't one piece of work it's multiple pieces of work. Baumeister's research has been cited by other scientists over 200,000 times. He is a preeminent academic and thinker in this area. That is, you know, people say I published, I, we did some research on it. The, the, the quality, the one really good measurement of the quality of research is how many people are citing it. You know, what, what impact factor is it, does it have? Yeah, so Baumeister's conclusions are that, and he, he would talk about emotional self-control. So he talks about self-control. I think he has a book called Willpower. It's a good book, but it's a bit academic. It's nowhere near as practical as, as a habit mechanic. But um, yeah, he's, he's, he's there to show us time and time again, measuring it across different contexts, that getting good at what we would call being resilient is the most important thing you can get good at if and only if you want to be healthy, happy, and at your best. If you want to be unhealthy, unhappy, and not at your best, don't worry about being, being resilient. That's not going to help you to achieve your goals. But if you want to be healthy, happy, and at your best, resilience is the most important thing. And that was the hypothesis of my own PhD work. I felt that emotional regulation was the the cornerstone of being successful in life um and you know a big part of my hypothesis was that you could learn how to get better at it um which hasn't always been very well understood but we understand that much better now that you can learn because it's it's just driven by sites in your brain. We've got a very good understanding of what those sites are. We can see those sites get stronger with practice via a process called neuroplasticity. But it's just about working out how to practice strengthening those sites. Every tool we've got in the Habit Mechanic University app and in the Habit Mechanic book is designed to strengthen those sites so that you strengthen 
your resilience, or you might want to call it your emotional regulation, or you might want to call it your emotional self-control. They're all the same thing ultimately. Yeah, um, and I've seen you in presentations before, John. Uh, talk about uh, Roy Baumeister's work. Thanks, thanks for uh, the uh, the the detail on that. I wasn't quite aware of that. That's great. Uh, and I know in the book, the Habit Mechanic, you you draw this parallel, um, or you, you use a metaphor of a Swiss Army knife for resilience. It's so beneficial in so many ways. In other words, um, and in presentations, I've seen you um, cite this 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 sort of list of fantastic benefits in, in anyone's life anyone would recognize them as beneficial um and um it's it's perhaps useful for people just to cite some of those you know one of them is succeeding in education for instance but th there's plenty more yeah and Baumeister just looking at my notes so he's actually had 650 uh, publications peer-reviewed publications and he's written over 40 books this is not someone who's had an idea and this is a, a life, life's work of an academic whose job is to dig deeper into this. My job is to make it easier for people to do it. But yeah, Baumeister would say that being resilient underpins and, and drives and you're far more likely to get outcomes like succeeding in education, experiencing better mental, physical health, feeling happier, achieving enhanced creativity, being more popular with others, enjoying stronger marriages, relationships, being more trusted, having fewer drinking problems and addictions, um, less likely to commit crime, be, you're less likely to be abusive, you're, you're more likely to live longer, more likely to enjoy, uh, enjoy a long, successful life. Yeah, not bad really, is it? <laughs> not bad, and that is, that is what we are helping people to do uh, with the habit mechanic approach. So when you become a habit mechanic, there are all the outcomes you get. And that's why I'm saying we need to teach this to every young person, but not just to every young person. We live in a period of history where it's more, we, it's more challenging than ever before. Um, it's like a jungle is sprouting up around us and our, it's not you can't see it because it's all driven by digital changes that are pretty invisible but our environments are changing so much so we we all need more than ever to understand how to be resilient and that mechanic approach is the swiss army knife for empowering everybody to do that whether you're a child all the way through to running um uh, the some of the biggest com or the biggest company in the world you're a sports coach whoever you are this is these are these are these are the ultimate foundational life skills yet nobody ever teaches them to us yeah well um of course people can use the habit mechanic university app um for this and um yeah um let's let's hope that they do uh, as chapter 13 comes to a close john um in the in the habit mechanic you you say that willpower you remind us willpower although it has this potentially hugely beneficial effect is is a limited resource for us all and i suppose i want to ask why is it important to recognize that and and what can we do about it yeah so and this is an important part of Baumeister's work is that willpower is limited. You know, willpower, our ability to resist is a, is a physical phenomenon. It's driven by glucose, you know, so energy. So, you know, when you're tired, 
it's, it's easier to give into temptation, whether that's staying up too late, eating eating the wrong food. You know, we know that alcohol wipes out our willpower, it depletes our PFC function, right? So um, some of my rugby friends would talk about the three pint rule, you know. So they have once you have three pints, and you all your sensibilities seem to disappear. Um, certainly, those judgments about having another drink, another alcoholic drink. So it's a limited resource. You know, there has been some scientists that say willpower doesn't work, etc., because that's what people are looking for. New headlines. It seems in the world we live in, something has to be an absolute cure-all for everything or it's useless. Well, there is a middle ground and willpower sits in that middle ground. It's uh, it's the conduit for making positive change in our lives, but it's a limited resource. So we've got to use the willpower to do our intelligent self-watching. And then what we need to use it for is, is to create what I would call habit-building plans, which we show you how to create in the app in the habit mechanic book and those habit building plans are actually harnessing the secret behavioral science that is running everything that we're thinking and doing so we use our our willpower to activate behavioral science factors that guide our behavior guide our thinking and doing in a more automatic way so that we don't have to rely on our willpower to keep resisting a temptation and of course, if you're sleeping properly, if you're exercising properly, if you're eating healthily, then your brain will be working better and therefore you will have better uh, willpower reserves. Yeah, fantastic. Um, thanks. Thanks so much for that, John. Uh, really, really fascinating about willpower. Um yeah. Um, okay. Well, it's time for questions now. Um, remember, uh, you can use the chat function if you if you want to submit a question. We do have some questions pre-submitted. Uh, we put an email out yesterday, and as I say, one or two people responded to that, so that's great. Um, just the first question, then I think it's probably um, suitable to, to put to you, John, is from from Brian. Um, he just talked about building new helpful habits then. And he he asks, how long does it take to build a new helpful habit? Brian says he's heard some figures cited 2000 hours, 20 days, 21 days. I think he actually even said in his question, but so how long does it take? Yeah, it's a great question. And unfortunately there isn't a very specific answer. So it's definitely not 21 days. Um, I, someone told me where that, number came from recently i can't remember where it was actually but um but yeah it's certainly not a stat that's about anyone building a new habit so it's got a very specific um a piece of research which you could argue is not really about building new habits but the rule that i will always use is how do our brains work well our brains change in accordance with what we practice so you you're you're going to get good at what you practice so if you want to build a better sleeping habit by practicing sleeping better, you will automate that behavior. But how long does it take before it becomes a you know a powerful automatic behavior? Well, it, it depends on where you're at because some people may have been um, sleeping poorly for the last 10 years and they're trying to build a, a better sleeping habit. Some other people may have been a great sleeper, but then they've just been on holiday for a few weeks and it's disrupted their habits. So they're trying to reestablish that habit. So it depends 
about your practice history. Um, it depends on your genetic material as well. It depends on how good the quality your practice is of working on the habit. So I think the, the key is, is just to set yourself a period of time that you're going to work on this thing. In the, in the app, we have the 90-day challenge. And we see that, you know, over that period of time, if you spend about three months really working on something, you start to see noticeable differences. And we talk about improving happiness and performance by over 25% in 90 days. Um, so, yeah, no concrete answer there. But our, our own work with people would show that if you get focused on something for about three months, you start to see some really beneficial ingrained habitual behavior. But that's going to be more than one habit. And you're probably going to establish several super habits Um you know, as you get that far into the journey, that far up, up the mountain. And that's the other thing as well. What you think is one habit is probably multiple habits. So that would be my answer, which probably creates more questions. So please ask ask those questions for the, for the next podcast. Yeah, do come back to us, Brian, if you have any more follow-ups. But uh, again, Habit Mechanic University um, will also, I think, provide um, a, a lot of answers and, and um, options for you. Um, one more question. As I say, it's come in already from Sandra. Um, obviously, talking about uh, setting yourself back on the right path, as it were, John, and, and she asks, what, what if she's good at overthinking about things and, and perhaps talking herself out of... of doing the right thing that she should do to feel better and be better? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it's something a lot of people can relate to. The key is we have to start doing something different. And for me, the best way to start is the daily tea plan. But you can go a bit further than that. And if you go into the app, you can see that we have some different change challenges so we have just starting with a one day change challenge and a two day and a three day and so on so i just start to use those change challenges and i think of them as they're like training exercises they're starting to habitualize and stabilize some of that thinking to help you to get your attention onto more helpful things and then you can go a bit deeper and you can start to use some of our habit metric tools to start zoning in to one specific thing it might be your unhelpful thinking patterns so you might want to build some better stress management habits um so you might pick for example to do some focused reflection at the end of each day starting with a three to one um you might decide to um spend some time each day just focusing on reducing what we call your activation levels just to get a, a bit of better brain function so the key is, is to start small, and you can do that by using the the small challenges in the app, and then move on to a longer, more in-depth challenge. Um, and that's going to ultimately make it easier for you to practice thinking in a different way and develop some new ways in your brain that start to balance out and ultimately overtake those current unhelpful wires. So I hope that helps and. Again, come back to us if you want us to add more detail. 
Yeah, many thanks for that, John, and thanks to uh, to Brian and Sandra for, for their questions. Uh, if you do have a question, you can uh, submit it to us via the um, the Habit Mechanic University app in the At My Best community, um, or, or just drop us an email as well via the Top of Minds website. Uh, John, thanks for your time today. Fascinating deep dive into Chapter 13 of the Habit Mechanic book. Um, Obviously, we'll be looking at more chapters in future podcasts uh, and uh, doing these podcasts live in the Habit Mechanic University app where people can submit their questions to us and, and you will tackle them for them. So um, we look forward to that. Um, thanks for your time today, John. Anything you'd like to say in closing? Yeah, I'd just say use these powerful new tools in the Habit Mechanic University app. Pick a challenge, work on that pick another challenge, just keep the, the, the app so powerful um, in terms of build, being resilient and building more habits. And ultimately the key is to build, is to automate being resilient, which we're going to talk about when we talk about chapter 14, which we call implicit emotional regulation. But keep persisting because you never know which is the next habit that's going to make that big impact for you. And that's why I say you're only ever one habit away 